0: You're listening to a pre-recorded edition of The Phil Mason Show. The Phil Mason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play, and please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at CashWithFlash and like our Facebook show page. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to The Phil Mason Show
1: hey everybody welcome to the phil nason show i am so happy to have you here we'll be here for as long as it takes and this is a podcast so we actually can be here for as long as it takes later on kevin light will be here to talk a little hoops with me but i'm excited to be here i'm excited to bring this podcast back And I remember when I started way back in Corfu, so many years ago, podcasting for a radio guy like me was a dirty word. We never wanted to say we were doing a podcast, but now everything has changed. It's a great venue to promote your work, and it's a lot of fun. Plus, I probably won't get fined too much, will I? That means I can say what I like. But I am so, so excited. We have great guests coming up, booked. And it'll be every week, hopefully. Man, we'll talk a little soccer. We're going to talk some professional lacrosse. And, of course, we're going to talk a lot of basketball. Maybe even some hockey, too. It's going to be a fun podcast. And if you want to bring the Phil Nason Show to your radio station, all you got to do is hit me up. Flash at CashWithFlash.com and we'll make it happen because we like being on the podcast, but I'd rather be in a studio because it's a lot easier for me having people around, an engineer here and there, you know, little things that matter. It's just me here in my bedroom. (laughs) Crazy, huh? It's crazy what technology is able to do for us. You know what what it isn't able to do is defeat father time and drew Brees, and tom brady they looked old last week didn't they they had a rough rough wild card weekend (laughs) and they're no longer with us i mean they're here on this planet and they're part of their team still but a lot a lot of talk about their future and i was asked about that you know what I have a very hard time telling future Hall of Famers what to do. All I can tell you is they looked a little slow. Drew Brees, in fact, you know, the the New Orleans Saints looked a lot better when Teddy Bridgewater was quarterbacking, but I guess that's just me. That's my preference. I like Teddy Bridgewater. Love Drew Brees, but I liked what the Saints were able to do when he took over after Brees got hurt in game one. The Saints reeled off five consecutive victories with Bridgewater at the helm. And maybe, just maybe, there might be a quarterback battle. But Drew Brees, he doesn't have to go anywhere until he is ready to go. He still had a fantastic year. He hurt his thumb. You could tell when he fumbled that football that he didn't have a good grip on that ball. And that's part of the reason why his thumb is probably still not right. But once he gets healthy, I would be hesitant to write him off. Same holds true for Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady's used to having superstars around him, some great weapons around him. It didn't seem like he had them this year. It seemed like what he had wasn't enough. Julian Edelman was hurt all year. And let's face it, they had problems with Antonio Brown, and then Josh Gordon, you know, it is what it is. Sony Michelle did not have a very good se- uh, very good season at all. And off they go. I was really surprised that they even won 12 games, but that was because their schedule was so easy. A very easy schedule for them. But, you know, what are you going to do? But this weekend we have great football. Great football. The Minnesota Vikings travel to San Francisco to face Jimmy G. I like San Francisco. But I also like Minnesota's defense. I'm not sold on Kirk Cousins. Love Dalvin Cook. Love Adam Thielen and, of course, Stefan Diggs. But I'm not sold on Kirk Cousins. And I think that San Francisco defense at home is going to show up and play hard. Of course they're going to play hard, but they're going to succeed. They're going to give him a hard time, cause him fits. You know, I don't have a prediction for it yet. You'll have to catch me over at Win Daily Sports for that. But that should be a great start on a Saturday. And then we have the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens were my pick at the beginning of the season to win the Super Bowl. I think Lamar Jackson is fantastic. His football team is tough as hell. That defense shows up. And they're going to cause Tennessee some trouble. You know, Tannehill was good this year. Ryan Tannehill came in for Marcus Mariota and was fantastic. He was awesome. Led that team to the playoffs. Led that team past the New England Patriots. And now, he's got another chance. He gets to go into Baltimore and try to do it again. I'm not so sure he's going to be able to. Of course, I like Baltimore more. And I think Baltimore is going to come out of there with a victory. And Sunday... Houston, Kansas City. Now, that should be a shootout. I'm not a fan of either defense, but I am a big fan of Patrick Mahomes, and they are finally healthy, and they have weapons upon weapons upon weapons. And Houston, of course, they have Deshaun Watson, who, well, he spends a lot of time on his back. They need to protect him. This should be a good game. DeAndre Hopkins. And let's not forget Carlos Hyde here. I think Carlos Hyde is the sleeper of that deal. And if he can get it going, they're going to push Kansas City, but I think Kansas City is going to win that one. And then finally, Sunday evening at Lambeau Field, the Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers at home. It's probably going to be cold. Russell Wilson is an MVP candidate. I think he's going to get edged out by Lamar Jackson. But that should be a very good football game. Green Bay has the opportunity to advance. A lot of people had written them off. I have a hard time writing Aaron Rodgers off. He's got a pretty good team. And I like what he's got. But I also like Seattle. Marshawn Lynch. He's coming back. He had a great week. And he's going to fight. It's nice to see him back in a Seattle Seahawks uniform, I tell you. But I think Green Bay is going to come out of this one on top. That's what I think anyway. You can find me over at Win Daily, Cash with Flash, Best Bets. And I'll have it all wrapped up for you over there on Saturday. I tell you what, Kevin Light will be here after the break. You're listening to the Phil Nation Show. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play, and please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at CashWithFlash and like our Facebook show page. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. 2013. I'm talking basketball by myself. It's the Western Conference semifinals, I believe. And I'm reading this website called Grizzly Bear Blues. And I'm loving what I'm reading. This guy is, is, is fantastic. And one of the things I prided myself on often is that I watch the games. Even when I was in Greece, I watched all the games, and, and if you worked with me back then, you knew I did, just like you know I do now. Well, anyway, I got tired of uh, talking to the microphone by myself, so I took a shot, and I emailed this guy, he writes me back, comes on the show, and he's been on the show now about a hundred times, and we did a podcast together for two years called Beyond the Ark. Please welcome my dear friend. Kevin, Light to the show. What's up, brother?
2: Man, so uh, this has been a long time since we've done this.
1: It's been a long time. You know, we haven't done a podcast together. I just looked since 2018.
2: Yeah, and it was. Uh, did we? Did we ever do one at all for the 1819 season? I actually don't remember.
1: Um, no, we didn't. Remember, yeah. we took a break. I, I think change jobs. you change jobs. now, tell us a little bit about where you're at now and what you're doing. Yeah,
2: so the dirty secret of the whole time I was doing um, the whole time I was the Grizzlies writer at the Memphis Flyer um, is I was that was like a small pretty much a small portion of my job. I was actually the digital director for the media company that owned the Memphis Flyer. Um, so in the summer of twenty eighteen, um, some, another local publishing guy, um, and some of his friends got together and started this nonprofit to launch a new kind of online only daily newspaper, not a newspaper, it's a new site, um, in Memphis, this kind of nonprofit backed, but we also were subscriber supported. Um, and the idea was, you know, the commercial appeal, the, uh, Gannett owned local newspaper was down the tubes and we need to start something locally owned so that we can have good reporting with people who know the community, that kind of thing. And they basically, they asked me if I wanted to join them. And I couldn't turn out, turn down an opportunity to um, be a part of something new like that. You know, it's cool. It's a, it's a very much a startup. I'm in charge of all the kind of software pieces of that. And we brought our own content platform. It's, it's pretty crazy. Um, But what that means is, I went from being the only sports person and only covering the Grizzlies to being somewhere that had a newsroom, had a bunch of editors, had people, you know, hired people like Jeff Calkins and Chris Harrington and Don Wade. Um, So they didn't really need another Grizzlies writer. And my stuff was pretty weird. So (laughs) (laughs) okay, I think they would have put up with me if I'd wanted to do like a weekly column or something like that. But I kind of took it as an opportunity. You know, we were having we had just had our second kid at that point. Um, and I kind of stepped back and said, you know, maybe I don't want to be gone 50 nights a year anymore. Um, and so that was, that was kind of it. It was, it was a combination of, you know, being at a new place. Nobody really needed me to do it. I kind of wanted to take a little break anyway. And you know, that, the, the new job is kind of, it's a lot different. I've got a lot more going on and, and I really just don't have time to do the Grizzlies coverage the way I would want to. And so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do a bad job of it. So. I'm not doing it.
1: Okay. You know, I was just thinking, this is the first time that we work together where neither of us are covering a team.
2: It's pretty weird, isn't it?
1: It is weird. It, do you, Now, I did it, I covered the Knicks, and I covered European basketball for years and years. I still get calls to uh, talk about it. Yeah. And this and that. <laughs> sure. And because and, I'm pretty uh, pretty knowledgeable about that sort of thing. But do you miss it? Because I actually don't. I don't either.
2: No, oh. I don't. I don't miss it at all. I had this conversation with Jeff Calkins, I guess, two days ago in the newsroom. We were talking about something else. And, you know, last year I basically just took off from basketball. I didn't even watch the Grizzlies. I watched them maybe two times, three times.
1: You didn't miss um, anything.
2: I didn't miss it. Well, no, I didn't miss. I missed some, some cool Jaron Jackson plays. That was it. Yes. Um and you know, I'm I'm following them a lot more closely this year, but I'm still not watching every game. I'm not watching very many games at all. It's mostly just reading reading what our guys are writing, watching highlights, you know, participating in NBA Twitter occasionally. Um, but I'm really, I, you know, I th- I can see a future where I'm following them really closely again. But I I am not at a point where I ever want to go to every home game again. That's just there's just no there's no part of me that wants to ever do that again.
1: Yeah, I, I hear that. You know, I'm doing some broadcasting too, and so I've got some games coming up, pretty big ones. But I don't miss being in locker rooms. I don't. You know what I don't miss is standing in front of the stall, waiting for the guy to come out of the shower. I don't miss any of that, man. I, I really no, I don't, don't either. I, I mean, you know, I always felt like I was intruding on them because I'm an ex tennis player. You know, I, I I never liked that. But they, but in tennis, reporters aren't allowed inside the locker room. But uh Man, I do not miss any of it. Okay, you know what I miss? I miss the sushi at Madison Square Garden. Um, I miss the uh, tacos at Quickens Loan Arena, which is now Rocket Mortgage or whatever. (laughs) See, I don't even know, and I'm down the street from there. But, uh, you know, my life changed. Financial crisis arena. Yeah, right. My life changed a little bit too now. I'm full time handicapping, as you already know, and I'm the content director at Daily Sports. Um, so yeah, and and I'm going back to New York very soon. I need to be there and I I still do a little tennis, but everything has changed. Just like the Grizzlies have changed. You know, when you look at the roster, there's not a single player except for Brooks, who is still on the team when you and I were doing the podcast beyond the arc.
2: And it's, it's, it's crazy because while we were doing, you know, really, the heart of of what we were doing on Beyond the Arc was their worst years, right? Right. And we were just begging them to blow it up, and we stopped talking about them, and they finally blew it up. Uh, it's kind of funny how that works, but it's it's crazy. I mean, it's just it's an unrecognizable team. It feels like to me this year kind of feels like that two thousand eight, two thousand nine team. Right. Um. You know, like, or maybe it was nine ten. I think it was eight nine. Where OJ Mayo's rookie year is what I'm talking about. Right.
1: Of course. Um, yeah. Eight oh eight oh nine. Right.
2: Bunch of young guys pushing the pace. Nobody knows who they are. They're not good, but they're not bad. You know, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's, it, that's a feeling. They The fan base grew so much after 2011 when they beat the Spurs in that first-round series and kind of all of their repeated playoff successes. The fan base grew so much that there are a ton of people who are Grizzlies fans now who don't, you know, who weren't ever following the team when they had a year like this. And so it's kind of interesting to see I mean, even people that have been writing about the team, I never wrote about them when they were, when they were like this, um, you know, guys, people who are on the sports blogs now who just weren't around the last time they were like this. It's interesting watching them kind of try to get their sea legs on a, on a young, exciting team instead of a playoff team.
1: Yeah. You know that I, I feel that too. You know, we went through the Fizdale thing. Um, we went through a lot in those years that we worked together. Uh, David Fisdale. I you know I, I remember <laughs> I remember you trolled me on Twitter when he got hired by the Knicks because I, I and I thought you were joking I really did and, and I I looked and I went what because you know okay we were pretty much after him a little bit toward the end there but he suckered us both because I was always I mean I used to get us in trouble remember when I would say things like Lionel Jr when I talked about Dave Yeager and. I mean, and Fisdale came in and said all the right things and it looked like everything was going right and then all hell broke loose. And, and it's the same thing that happened with the Knicks, so I guess history did repeat itself.
2: Yeah, I think by the, by the end of his tenure with the Grizzlies, it was pretty clear that he just had lost control of the situation. And looking back at it, that he'd act, you know things had actually been declining for a while. It, it, he talked a big game they made the playoffs and they probably shouldn't have, they pushed the Spurs harder than they had any right to have that year. And, you know, it looked like he had a lot to do with it when really, I mean, I'm not going to give him no credit at all. Cause he did kind of free up Marcus all to start shooting outside more. And we've seen what that's done for his game,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but I'm not sure that that's none of that was actually because he's a good coach right at the end of the day. And, you know, he built a lot of hype, and then it didn't go well. And so when he was fired by the Grizzlies, it was like, oh, what are they doing firing this guy? This guy's genius. Why are they giving up on him? You know, a lot of people were really angry with Marcus Saul saying Marcus Saul issued ultimatums that got the coach fired, and he's a coach killer. And, you know, that, I'm not saying that's not true, but that wasn't the whole story by far. And it was kind of interesting to see him go to another team. And, you know, I felt bad for you, but also the Knicks are – not exactly the most functional franchise around.
1: <laughs> really?
2: So, so it's, not, it's not like he got a fair shake. But at the same time, he did all the same stuff. He made all the same mistakes. So yeah, at some point, he's going to get that label of he's a good assistant on Eric Spolstra teams with LeBron on them. But outside of that, it, it doesn't work out. And I, I really think that his his whole kind of coaching philosophy was shaped by his experience on those heat teams in a way that, that kind of makes him not great at coaching teams that don't have LeBron on them. That was, that was his whole issue in Memphis was he wanted Marc Gasol to kind of be this vocal leader and, and make decisions about who was going to play and who wasn't, what the lineups were going to be, stuff that LeBron demands to be involved in, right? Marcus Gasol is a, a European player. He is not – he's insulted that the coach is trying to make him make those decisions because he doesn't think it's his place to make them. And I kind of side with Mark on that. So that was just never going to work. It was a total misunderstanding of the situation. And it looked like the same thing happened with the Knicks. He just was not, he's not able to take stock of the situation and make good decisions about how to, how to get along with his players and how to, how to build a culture.
1: You know what else is his rotations were just as wacky in New York. And granted, he didn't have half the talent he had in Memphis, but his rotations in Memphis weren't very good. And yeah you know and what happens with that the most the thing that i take away most from those era or that era take that for data you know, <laughs> that was it
2: yeah that was uh and that was a great quote i mean he really um that's the thing about him right you want to like him cuz he is and i do think he's a good guy i think yeah. he means well and and he does um he has the look and the persona and the the charisma of a kind of vibrant dynamic head coach. And he just doesn't have the either doesn't have, or doesn't listen to his assistants enough to get the basketball part of it. Right. He's got all the tools. He can definitely figure it out. But I don't, at this point, I don't know when he's going to get another chance to do that.
1: Well, he shouldn't get another chance. He blew it in New York and that was a rebuilding team and he should have been okay. But you knew when Porzingis has to be traded, he probably talked to (laughs) Marcus all. Yeah. Because European guys are are very uncomfortable approaching coaches. Um, their job is to play. The coach is running the whole thing. Usually, the coach is the general manager or the president, also. And it's my way or the highway. And you play or you don't. And that's Marcus All. And and Marcus All has always been a coachable player. And when he got benched that night in Brooklyn, it was a Sunday. Remember that. And uh, I was like, "Oh boy, here we go!" And bang, he got fired. But that's enough of David Fisdale now. Uh, we wish him all the best. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, he... I do,
2: you know—he's a nice guy. I, I had good interactions with him. Um, I, you know, for, as a media member, I can't, can't really say anything bad about him. And just—it's just obvious he goes out of his depth.
1: Yeah, he is. Now the Grizzlies are a half a game behind the San Antonio Spurs for the eighth seed in the West. I can't believe you know. You said something to me the other day. I can't believe that Memphis has somebody that good like John ja Morant. He's it's freaking crazy. nuts. I watched the game that he played against Cleveland and he put if he would have finished a dunk, he put Kevin Love on a poster. I, I mean that was the most fantastic dunk I've ever seen for a guard pull one off. Except John Starks when he dunked on Michael Jordan. But uh <laughs> that's another issue altogether. But right? but what do you think when you see <laughs> when you see him play what do you think? I I think they did the right thing by trading Mike Conley and letting Ja Morant take it over.
2: Oh, there's no doubt. I would do that I would do that trade 11 times out of 10 now. And you know, nothing against Mike, but you've seen him in Utah. It's just it's just not working. Um No. I, I the Grizzlies have never had a player this good. I mean, the closest thing they've had was Pau Gasol, and they didn't really have him in his prime. They didn't have the um you know, the prime years of Pau Gasol when he was on those Lakers championship teams, really, really the best power forward in the Western conference during those years. They've never had a player this good. And it's, it's crazy just to see the Grizzlies have a guy who is so electric that you just can't miss him when he plays. Um, what that's kind of done to the vibe around the team in town, you know, they by all rights, they shouldn't be to selling any tickets this year. Nobody should be talking about them. And yet uh, they they have no business being in a playoff race they shouldn't be this good he shouldn't be this far along in his development it's it's he's just unbelievably talented and to think that the grizzlies are going to have him for a while uh, and jaron Jackson, right I mean those those two guys if they can if they can build around them the way that they want to and, and it looks like maybe they can mm-hmm. I mean they could They can win a championship. They're just that. They're gonna be that good. Those guys are great players. John Morant is just—he's electrifying. He's some of these highlights of him are just unbelievable. It's like uh, pistol Pete stuff that he's doing, uh, or or like playground stuff that he's doing against NBA players, veteran NBA players. It's it's crazy.
1: He's he's amazing, but uh, when you look at the the landscape of the NBA. It's amazing what you see with the San Antonio Spurs. You know, um, that was a team. Big rivalry with Memphis. Uh, 2013 Western Conference finalists against each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Are the Spurs finished?
2: I never want to say they're finished, but I was never a fan of DeRozan on that team. I was never a fan of... Lamarcus Aldrich on that team. Right. I you can't make too many of those big moves like that and expect to come out ahead every time. And I think they they still they still kind of have the Popovich advantage. He's still a great coach. But I just don't like you can't keep runs like this going forever. And, you know, really the Spurs have not been bad since they drafted David Robinson. They're due for a little stretch where they're not very good.
1: Right. You know, um, I have a theory about that. Let me bounce this off you. You know, for years and years and years, the Spurs developed from within. They were great recruiters of uh, European players. They were the first ones really to do so. And when they dipped their toes into the free agent market and signed LaMarcus Aldridge, I think that signified the end of the run The great run, 22 consecutive playoff appearances. That's freaking nuts. But I think that that's it because, you know, he's used to coach. He, Popovich, is used to coaching. david He had David Robinson. He had Tim Duncan, two of the greatest of all time. And then you also got a couple other guys named Ginobili and Parker, and they don't have those now. Instead, they've replaced them with guys that don't play the same way And I'm not trying to uh, pick on anybody, but they don't, Lamarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan do not play with the same intensity that those guys did. And they don't have the uh, passion for the game, it seems. And they don't play defense. Can you, I can't even picture a year where the San Antonio Spurs were the 25th ranked defense in the NBA.
2: That's what's crazy, right? It's just fundamentally that's not there for them this year, and you know I think they miss Danny Green a lot more than they thought they would. Right. I don't know that they would admit that, but uh, you know, obviously losing Kawhi Leonard is 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 never what you want to do. But right. to lose Kawhi Leonard and lose Danny Green, and have kind of an aging and declining Aldrich and DeRozan, I just I just don't know what you do about that. I don't I don't think there's a good way to. Counteract that with a bunch of pieces. I mean, Bellinelli, you know, DeMar Carroll. Right. It's just not going to get it done. They've got Rudy Gay's had some great years for them, but it, he's still, he's Rudy Gay, and he's not really who he was when he was on the Grizzlies.
1: Not even close. And, and you know, he has some good young players, but they don't play much. I think when they let David Davis Bertans go, you know, Bertans is playing pretty good for Washington until he got hurt.
2: Yeah, he's a good player.
1: Plus, he's a European guy, and Popovich is good at coaching these guys because those guys will listen. Because as we talked about with Gasol, you know, the coach is my way or the highway, he's the boss, not the players. And now you've got these guys holding him hostage. you got guys like LaMarcus Aldridge talking about going back to Portland and finishing his career and whatever. I, I just don't get where they're going to go with that. What? How do they fix that? unless they go out in the lottery and draft another top 10 player of all time.
2: Which they may very well do. Right. 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 Uh, You know, uh, that's the thing they're never done until they're done. But you know, Lamarcus Aldridge is going to be 35 this year. It's just, he, he's got a skill set kind of, he doesn't have the athleticism he used to have anymore. And his game was, well, I don't want to say I don't want to say that his game isn't viable anymore, but the league has just changed so much that you can't really play that way anymore. You can't play through him the way you could even five years ago. Right. Um, and so that, that signing never really made sense to me when it happened, and now it's just continuing to hamstring them. I mean, how much money is he making?
1: Too much, and that's exactly right. How much money is he making? But you know, you could see that all... twenty-six
2: million dollars is the answer to that. By the way.
1: All right. Good job. But uh, you know what? You can when Because I used to host a show called Blazer's Edge, if you remember. I do. Oh, my God. Wasn't that something? But uh, anyway. Welcome to
2: Loud City. We're going to bring that up.
1: You know what? We're going to in a minute. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to get personal with SB Nation tonight, but uh, whatever. You know what? I'm better off. But at the end of the day, you could see the game was changing when LaMarcus Aldridge was in his last season in Portland. He had a hard time keeping up with Damian Lillard. And then, I mean, and then he went to the Spurs. Now, I would have thought his better fit may have been with the Lakers or a team that uh, less disciplined, but not with the Spurs. The Spurs were all about precision and teamwork, and LaMarcus Aldridge was a ball stopper. Not to the degree that Carmelo Anthony is, but or was, but uh, he's still that guy, and I was just stunned. And they've gone. They've regressed to the point where they may not even make the playoffs this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, the ball stopper thing is important with him too, because he he's a lot like Zach Randolph in that way, right? Like, it's not because he's a bad teammate. It's just his game is so dependent on the ball coming through his hands at some point. And on a team like the Spurs, where ball movement has been so important to like three of their five titles, it's it's it's
1: crazy really is. You brought up Zach Randolph, our boy Zebo. When does when his jersey get hung in the rafters?
2: It's got to be soon. Got I mean, I be. think they may even do it this year. I mean, they they said they would do it when they when he didn't come back, right? When he first was not on the Grizzlies anymore. I can't even remember if they traded him or didn't sign him again. I think they didn't sign him they again, right? They didn't sign him. Sacramento went to, offered him a bunch of money.
1: Right, then he followed Dave Yeager.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's how I. That's how rusty I am. Um, that's okay. But they said then, right, that no one would ever play. No one would ever wear number fifty again, and they were going to retire his number. So, well, I, I think they're. I think they'll do it pretty quickly, and I think you know that'd be the right thing to do. Maybe do it on a night when the Raptors are in town, or do it on a night when the Jazz are in town. Figure out a way to get. I know Gasol would want to be there for that. Right. Uh, you know, figure out a way to do it when some of the other guys can be there. Tony Allen's been at games as a fan this year, which is interesting. Um, but, yeah, I think I think they'll do it. I think they'll do it really soon. There's, they they got to do it.
1: Well, they should. He meant so much to the Grizzlies. And it's disappointing how things ended for him, but I don't think he cares at that now. You know what? No. He, he doesn't care. Uh, you could see that he wasn't very happy in Sacramento. Whatever. You know what? He had a great career. He was a great Grizzly. But when you look at the Grizzlies now, it's so much different than when we covered them. And uh, but load management now in my day, load management was a Trojan, and and now <laughs> and now it's this freaking, uh, you know, we remember the resting thing. That was Greg Popovich who did that, started mm-hmm. that resting guys. Remember he got fined a quarter of a million dollars for sitting guys against LeBron in Miami or not even bringing them with him and leaving them home. And now you've got these situations where you've got Kawhi Leonard missing back to backs now, and everybody and their mother is taking nights off. What does that do to the game?
2: I mean, even the Grizzlies are doing it with Morant. Boy, they, ha- yeah. Uh, I think it it hammers home the point that the the season should be about sixty five games long, right? Right. I mean, I know I know that they are never gonna, from a box office standpoint, they probably can't afford to reduce the number of games, but. Uh, For what we know about recovery science now, and kind of just the 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 wear and tear that these guys get every night, it's it's the game is so much more athletic now than it was in the '60s when everybody was flying coach and smoking cigarettes. Right. That it's just your body can't can't handle 82 games of this. And you know, I don't know at what point. They actually decide to reduce the number of games, but this—if players have a way to take a night off and recover and miss the game and not be penalized for it, they're going to do that because, especially kind of guys like Leonard, who know they're going to be playing into June, they're on a playoff team, they're probably going to be in the conference finals. He's going to play 100 games this year, right? He's got to be smart about how he takes care of his body so that he number one so that he can have a long career but number two just in terms of what they want to do this season i mean i think that's one of the problems that the rockets have is james harden is so much of their offense 82 nights a year that by the time they get to the playoffs he's just got nothing left there's just no way to condition yourself for the the wear and tear the the just the effort that these guys are expending i think they're just going to have to make the season shorter at some point or this is we're never going to see the end of this
1: well we won't and, and fans are going to stop going to games. You know, you want to go watch LeBron James play. You want to go watch Kawhi Leonard play. And you're dropping 100 bucks a shot. You take a family of four, you're going to be spending 500 bucks. And then Kawhi Leonard doesn't play. And, and you go, what is this? You know, I'll stay home and watch the games. I, they have to do something. Uh, I don't know what Adam Silver is going to do. Probably nothing because that's a monster business. And, and you know what? I want to wrap this up. With David Stern. Or should we talk about the Thunder beforehand? Yeah. I don't care about the Thunder. Me neither. I didn't
2: care about the Thunder when they were good. I really don't care about them now.
1: I never have cared about them. Oh, my <laughs> God. You know, the stories I could tell. But, uh, you know, I don't tweak their fan base anymore because, you know, I just don't waste my time with them anymore. I used to have a little fun. I'll probably have Sherm on the show because that's my boy, as you know. And, and But other than that, nah, I don't care about them. But David Stern... What's his legacy? What what are you gonna remember most about David Stern?
2: (laughs) Well, number one, that he let the Grizzlies move to Memphis. Okay. Um, you know, I think he was just in he was in charge for so long, but he grew the the growth that the NBA has seen, you know, I don't think they'll ever take the kind of number one spot away from the NFL, but I don't think necessarily that's what they want to do, right? I think they are comfortable just growing their own way. And and, you know even just in the time that that the Grizzlies have been in Memphis the value of that franchise is almost tripled it's, it's crazy how much more eyeballs are on the league now it's crazy how much um a wider of an audience they have and I think that's like it's a lot because of the players but it's also because of smart decisions made by the guy in charge you know it doesn't hurt to have Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan and LeBron James and Kobe Bryant and those guys in the league when you're in charge of it. But that doesn't, that, that's not a recipe that doesn't guarantee success, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I think, you know, the, the state that the league is in is a, is a credit to, to him and, and what he built. And, you know, he definitely wasn't perfect. He's got, um, you know, uh, we don't really talk about the Tim Donahue thing anymore, but that happened on his watch. Right. Um, you know, I think, a lot of people would point out his implementation of the dress code as an overreaction to the Malice in the Palace and kind of some racist stuff about players. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's, he relaxed that. I think that was a, a necessary PR thing for him to do, and, and then once it accomplished, he kind of backed off of it. Um, you know, so he, he doesn't have a perfect record by any means, but I, I think you just you got to credit him with the growth of the league.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I definitely have him there. You know, we... we... are gainfully employed because of the work that David Stern put in. I mean, let's face that. But you know what? He also screwed the Sonics. And for that, I will never, ever forgive him for that. Um, Of course, I became a Grizzlies fan right after. But uh, (laughs) the thing is, is that he he did so many things. The globalization of the sport, um, it's huge everywhere. It's all because of him. But then he's also took the took the physicality out of the game so that he could attract the European players because nobody wanted to get mauled. I mean that's just the way it was because in Europe they didn't play that way. But on the whole, if it weren't for the Sonics thing, I would say David Stern was okay. But I've probably said more than I should have said on this show over the years about him, and I'm just gonna let him rest in peace. Well, yeah, you're
2: not wrong. I mean that's a I I didn't even remember that one. Uh, but here we were talking about the Thunder having their first year ever to have a bad team in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, I do think that that there's, in hindsight, right, there's just there's no situation in which that was the right thing to do in terms of being the right thing to do or even the right business decision, right? Like just in terms of market size, it has it handicapped the league not to have a team in Seattle and especially not to have a team with a rabid fan base who loved that team in a huge media market right Right. there's just there's no universe in which it makes sense from a business standpoint or an ethical standpoint to let that go down the way it did but you know it's the same thing with roger goodell in in the nfl like at the end of the day he reports to the owners and whatever's going to make the owners the most money is is what's going to happen um that's a that's a that's a definite black mark on his resume
1: oh yeah for sure but uh, a definite strong mark on mine was the day i sent you that email and i've been forever grateful for it kevin thank you for coming back on the show with me on my opening night again
2: yeah it's fun man i haven't done this in a while It's, it's really fun
1: i tell you what i miss working with you and we'll have you back on again for sure now kevin tell them tell them all where you can find you i mean you're not writing anymore but you still go on twitter sometimes right
2: yeah, I keep a keep a pretty low profile. Um, the site I'm working for is DailyMemphian.com. So if you want to if you want to read other guys whose Grizzlies writing I've always looked up to, uh, DailyMemphian.com is where you can find Chris Harrington, uh, kind of a mentor of mine in the Grizzlies world. Uh, I'm I'm still on Twitter. I'm at Kevin Leip underscore. Somebody else took Kevin Leip without the underscore. Uh, I used to be Flyer Grizzlyblog, but I had to change that when I left the Flyer. So and
1: it's probably a good um, thing you changed it.
2: Yeah, probably so. I keep a low profile, but if I'm watching a game, I'll probably be tweeting it there.
1: That's great. I'll tell you what. It's been fantastic being back on this show, doing this show. We'll be back next week. Until then, y'all take care of yourselves. Be good. And most importantly... Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you,
2: my sister thanks you, and I thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to The Phil Mason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at CashWithFlash and like our Facebook show page.